gospel recording artist Tasha Cobb Leonard has a beautiful song that went viral some years ago and the song is For Your Glory. And the song really speaks to a lot of sentiment of a lot of believers. Where we say, God, for your glory, I will do anything. I will do anything just to be where you are. There's this desperation in the cry. There's a desperation in the song. There's a a desperation when you sing it. God, for your glory, I will do anything. I just want to be where you are. I want to see you as Jehovah. I want to know you as my king. For your glory, I will do anything. Well, here's the thing. When we think about that, are we really ready to do anything for the glory? What when what happens when you're standing right in the midst of something that seems too good to be true, but you tell yourself this is a miracle from God? Or this is the way that God is answering my prayers. You have desired a certain thing for so long and here it is smack dab in your face. What do you do? Do you pursue it? What if you know it's not on the up and up? But for your glory, I will do anything. Just to be where you are. Just to know your peace, your love, your joy. God, I will do anything. Woo, that statement is real. That statement is what Christ did. For the mission of God, for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God to be here on earth. Christ said, I will do anything. I will do anything. We know that he laid his life down for cross on the cross and got up. But some of us don't know the things that he did before he got to that place. I will do anything. Even in the midst of temptation, I will not fall because I know that if I fall, then I will not be your perfect sacrifice lamb. But when we say this statement, are we really prepared to do anything for the glory of God? Are we ready to say and fight against the enemy when it looks too good and it's so hard to say no? That thing is tempting. But are we ready? And are we able to do anything for the glory of God? Let's talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Conquering Me Podcast. I am Jennifer Jefferson. I am so happy that you're here. I'm grateful that you are here. Every listen, every subscriber um, that comes on, I'm so grateful. I would encourage you all and I would love for you all to go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and download and also leave reviews. Leave some reviews and comments because the more you all leave comments, leave a five star on Apple or whatever platform that you are listening on, it allows more um, attention to come to this podcast. And on this podcast, you know, the whole heart of conquering me is to be about Jesus, right? The only way for us to really overcome ourselves is through Christ Jesus. That's why our founding scripture is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is our founding and our foundational scripture. And this is for anyone who is not aware. I know sometimes I'll say it like this, the most gentle way I can say it, right? <laughs> um, I've heard that scripture in a lot of ways, but a lot of times the emphasis has been placed on the I and not through Christ. So with conquering me, the only way for me to overcome myself, overcome my issues and become more and more reflective of Christ, I have to do it through, do it through the Holy Spirit and ask for Christ himself to number one, come into my life as my personal savior, but also learn of him. He is an amazing teacher. God has given us this beautiful library of books that we call the Bible. And there's so many beautiful examples of how Christ interacted and how he walked and how he loved, how he forgave, how he showed grace, even how he stand firm, how he fought. All of these things are in the Bible and he is our perfect example. And he is the reflection of the invisible God. I believe that's what the scripture says. I want to say it's in Romans. Please don't quote me on that because I feel like I'm wrong on where it is. But there is a scripture <laughs> that says that Christ is the are, are basically the representation of the invisible God. So he lets us know how much and how beautiful and how amazing and how powerful and how strong he is. Right. We have been talking about the temptations of Jesus and we're specifically coming from Matthew. Um, it is also found in Luke, but I have been reading Matthew. But in Matthew, it talks about the three temptations of Jesus. Just a quick synopsis. This is this is when Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested. He was there for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted. Um, and fasting from my understanding during that time was no food, no water. I know sometimes we do fasting now with no food, but yet we may still drink something, let it be water, juice, uh, smoothie, something. But from my understanding during that time, uh, when they said fast, they meant fast, nothing was going in you. Okay. You weren't receiving nothing. So Jesus willingly went to the wilderness to be tested and to come out in the weakest form of what a human can be. I'm talking about malnourished, you're exhausted, you're tired, you're probably cold. Like when you look up, like I just like really, I want us just to Google what happens to your body when you have not eaten or drank anything for 40 days and 40 nights. It's a lot. Like your body is being beat up. Yes, it's being rejuvenated. Like scientists would say, oh, you're getting new cells or whatever. But you're exhausted. You're tired. You're dehydrated. You start, um, some say you can become delusional. It's a whole bunch of stuff that happens. But Christ willingly went to this place, physical place, so that he could endure so much for our sake. And number one, for the glory of God. I was talking earlier about the song that Tasha Cobb wrote and she sang for the glory, for your glory, I will do anything. And I'm going to be straight up when you really think about that. That is a loaded declaration. Lord, for your glory, I will do anything. That's what we say. We say that in prayer. Well, some of us. We'll say that in prayer. We we declare it. We sing it with our whole heart. God, for you, I will do anything. And it's beautiful. But what does that really mean? 
what happens when temptation is right in our face and it's meeting every need that we think that it needs to be met? I'm talking about like, is answering those prayers. It looks like, <laughs> it looks like it's a miracle. You know something ain't right. But yet you're like, nah, it's meeting. So God, I, I'm going to go after this. Or do you go after this? Jesus was tempted on so many levels throughout his time here on earth. As he walked this earth, he was tempted on so many different levels. And this last temptation, I feel, really speaks to us today. Now, here's the truth. All, the, all three temptations speak to all of us at any time. But it, what I want to make this clear because I don't want to feel like the first and second temptation did not speak to anyone. But I feel like it's a little bit louder, I guess the best way you can say it, um, more prominent, the third one. And um, which is about the desire and the temptation of the lust of eyes, the desire to go after things that seem like it fulfills all that we need and all that we desire, especially if you're an ambitious person. See, there's a beauty and a downside to being ambitious because I was going to say curse and I don't want to say that. But there's, there can be a downside to be amb- ambitious. You can become prideful really easily. You could become about yourself really easily. Um, you can go ahead and ignore all the signs and all the things that God is trying to tell you about that this isn't right, but because it looks so great, you go after it. You haven't taken the time out to count the costs. You haven't taken the time out to say, okay, God, is this really you? And if the Lord says, no, I, this is not what I'm calling for you to do or an opportunity I'm calling for you to go after, what happens? Will we follow God for your glory? I will do anything. Or will we fall into into temptation? Let's go to Matthew 4, 8 through 11. Excuse me. And it says, next, the devil took him to the peak of of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you. This is the devil talking. I will give it all to you, he said. If you will kneel down and worship me, Jesus responded, get out of here, uh, Satan. Jesus told him for the scripture says you must worship the Lord, your God and serve only him. Then the devil went up and, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So finally, the devil's out of the position. Jesus is finally being taken care of. The angels come in. This was the last test. I remember um, I would hear preachers say this all the time, talking about when things get, when the pressure gets harder, that means that you're closer to your breakthrough. When it just seems like the pressure is getting more intense or maybe, and I'll say it like this, excuse me, what if the temptations are starting to look like answer prayers? For your glory, I will do anything. What happens when the temptations are looking like answered prayers? It's meeting your needs. Because the first temptation that the devil came at him with was bread. Turn this stone into bread, right? So he met him. He was like, hey, I know you're hungry. Go ahead and turn this thing. Flip it real quick. (laughs) The second temptation, it was talking about really the pride. And the third one is about power, access, authority, running stuff, 
leading stuff. I'll give you all of this. All of this if you just bow down and worship me. So I want to say this as a side note. The Holy Ghost has really wanted me to say this to all of us. We have to be praying and interceding for people in positions of power across this world. I don't care what their position is. They can be a position of an entire industry, medical industry, uh, military, let it be weapons, let it be food, let it be music, entertainment, all this stuff. Let me tell you, they are facing temptations that a lot of people do not know about. A lot of people come for a lot of celebrities, say, don't listen to them, that demonic music, they're full of the devil and all that type of stuff. Here's the thing, I'm not here to debate whether that person has quote unquote sold their soul. But I, what I will say is we as believers have to be praying for folks. What would it look like if all those people that you feel that are not of God became saved? How many people will come into the kingdom because now they are proclaiming the gospel? We have to pray and intercede. I heard this, um, Excuse me. I heard this preacher say this. Um, his name is Joshua Selman. He is a preacher out of Nigeria. And he said, there is a point to where you will reach a level of success and you will be tempted with either following God to obtain that or are dealing with the enemy. And so how do we know? Well, first of all, this is a prime example. The enemy, the tempter, Satan, Lucifer, all the names that he has, he literally told Jesus, I will give you all the kingdoms of this world if you bow down and worship me. I know some of you are like, well, how does he even have authority? Like, doesn't Jesus and doesn't God have authority? Yes, he does. Well, I want to make that clear. He has a form of authority. So I don't want to make it seem like he has authority. No, he does not. He has a form of authority. And what happened was in the beginning of the Bible, when Adam and Eve were created, God gave dominion over, uh, gave dominion of this earth over to Adam. And when sin entered in, here comes the problems, right? But if you remember in Genesis three, what happened was with Genesis three, when Adam did not take responsibility, part of being in authority is taking responsibility when things go bad. When you mess up, when there was a failure, have you ever heard the, uh, the saying, the buck stops with you, the responsibility stops with you. So what happened was Adam, when the Lord said, Adam, how do you know you're naked? Cause you remember they were in there, they had leaves on them cause they were embarrassed. The voice of God walked the earth. Adam, how do you know that you're naked? Well, this woman you gave me in so many words, that's what he said. This woman you gave me, gave me this apple. So he went to the woman, woman, how do you know what's going on here? What's what? Well, it was the serpent. And in the Bible, the serpent never responded, never said anything. So from there, the, it, God cursed uh, Adam and Eve and also the serpent. But here's the thing what we have to remember about the enemy. He understands spiritual principles. He understands the power of authority. And the power of taking responsibility and responsibility isn't all the glory and all the wonderful things, but it's also taking the L. 
you messed up on this. It's taking the bruises along with it, right? So because he did not say anything, this is what, and I'm saying this because from different commentaries and, and, um, different commentaries that I've read regarding studying this because he stopped and he did not place the authority on anyone else. Now the enemy has authority. Now here's another one to just help us out. And I'm going to go to just to give further uh, understanding regarding the authority of the enemy. Once again, he does not have all authority. He does not have all authority. He has a form right? He has so much authority. It does not mean that he has all authority because I don't want anyone to walk away confused. God himself has all authority and power. It's just like as we as human beings have a form of power and a form of authority, right? We have the power to make sure that we get into the car. We do what we need to do. We have the power over our choices, all these things. But this is why it's so important that our power and our authority, we surrender that over to Jesus, surrender that over to God so that we are doing what he's calling us to do. So we won't get in our own ways. Here's another scripture that helps us to gain further understanding about, um, the enemy being a ruler, right? So in John 14 and 30, it says, and this is Jesus talking. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. And that is the NIV um, version. And I want to read the New King James version of that of this. This is once again, John 14 and 30. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. That means he has no hold over me. I have not submitted to him. He has no authority over to me. Now, this scripture is right before um, Judas turned him over. Because the enemy used Judas to make sure Jesus was arrested to get to the cross. Now, once again, this is all of God's plan. So I'm saying all this because when the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spirits in high places, there are kingdoms here on earth that do belong to the enemy. So I want us to understand that. Because some things we think, oh, it's not that bad. Some Christians are too deep regarding the word and and think like everything is demonic. No, 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 no. There are some things that are just pure demonic that are from the enemy. And that what is that's what he wants. And he wants you to bow down and worship him. These kingdoms and what he said, this is what I, I, I want you to catch this too. How do we know when something is not of God? So I want you to catch what he said in this. He said in verse eight, once again, we're going back to Matthew four, verse eight. This is the enemy talking to Jesus at, uh, this is the third temptation. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Whenever you see something and you don't see the full picture of it, you don't see how this will count. This will cost you something. This is going to make you endure something problem. The enemy is good at making everything look beautiful. The enemy is good at making everything look grand. The Bible talks about counting the cost. 
counting the cost. A wise man counts the cost. And I want to say, here we go. It's in Luke 14, 28 and 30. And it says, but don't begin until you count the cost for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it. Verse 29 says, otherwise you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone will laugh at you. Verse 30 says, they would say there's a person who started that, that building and could not afford to finish it. The Bible instructs us to count the cost, use wisdom whenever we are about to pursue something. What the enemy does, he wants us to not use the wisdom of God. Now, because Jesus is Jesus and he has this amazing discernment because why he is God himself. He knows that the enemy is playing him like a fiddle. But for us, we don't always know that. And I'm saying this because I want us to look at there's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of distractions here on earth that is pulling us away from the perfect will of God. And one of the ways that he is allowing us to be pulled away from the enemy is tricking us because we're not using wisdom. In Proverbs, it says that those who ask of them, God gives it to them freely. Acts of wisdom. The more I ask of wisdom, God will give it to us freely over and over and over and over. He continually gives us his wisdom. Not man's wisdom, but God's wisdom. God is trying to gain our attention and let us know that he has all that we need. I understand that it looks good, but see, the thing is, this is the truth of it. When we obtain the things of God and from God, it causes us to be patient. It causes us to endure. It causes us to take the long route. But if I take the route of the enemy, it's always going to be a short route of a temporal. In the beginning, it's short. You get it, access to it immediately. Boom. And that's what he was trying to do with, with Jesus. Some commentary says that um, he was trying to tempt Jesus to take the short route of not going to the cross. Because what we have to understand is this. When Jesus died and went, uh, when he died and went to hell and, and got all up with all power, he has now all authority all authority, even in heaven and in earth. Once again, the, the enemy has some form of authority, but Christ has all authority because he went down and got the keys. So the enemy was trying to have him to take the shortcut so that Jesus will never have the full authority. Some of the things that the enemy is tempting you with is for you to take the shortcut when he's saying, okay, go ahead and take that shortcut so that you won't have full authority in this. You won't have full understanding. You won't have full peace. You won't have full joy. You won't have the fullness of God take the shortcut. And how easy is that in the society that we live in today? I remember when I was a kid, they called it the microwave generation. Child, we are now the, uh, we are beyond the microwave generation. We are the tell Alexa to do it and it's done generation. I don't even know what to call that. (laughs) Everything is on our phone. If you need information, Google it. It's up there 1.2 seconds. 1.2 seconds, literally. It has a time on there. I remember you used to have the time. I, I, was, I'm, I remember the dial-up when literally you will plug in your phone and walk, I mean, plug in your laptop and walk away for the internet to dial-up. Now, if things are not pulled up in a second, we have no patience. 
And we wonder why we are not doing well in relationships. We wonder why we're not doing well and and disciplining ourselves when it comes to our health, our study life and the word of God and prayer and even enduring with others. We have been conditioned by the world to be impatient. So when the things that we desire is not coming to pass, we're like, well, what is it? So here comes the enemy. Let me go ahead and throw something their way to make it the easy way to get out. Now, I am not saying that the Lord will not do miraculous things, that things that you've been praying for, things that you've been working on, things that you've been doing will not come to pass in a matter of days, second weeks, whatever, because his timing is not our timing. His ways is not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But you know what? My, my pastor said this a few weeks ago, and it was such a blessing, the revelation that the Lord gave him regarding um, faith. He said, faith is a substance of things. This is what the scripture says. Faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The revelation that the Lord gave my pastor, he said, and his name is Alex Davis. Um, if you guys ever want to look him up, it's Eastside Assembly of Believers. It's a church in Tacoma, Washington. Um, but he says this. He said the revelation that the Lord gave him was the things not seen, the unseen work, the things, the prayers that you've been praying in your closet the, that no one knows about, the work that you've been doing secretly that nobody knows about and you could have been doing that work for years but you've been patient you've been steady you've been continuing to do it you've been grinding it out you've been doing all these things because you know what thus says the Lord you know the promises of Lord you're not sitting here and just saying one day God you promised me this and I don't want to put the work in I don't want to put the prayer in I don't want to fast I don't want to long suffer I don't want no the things not seen that no one knows about no one is giving you an award for. You're not posting about it. You're not even sharing it. You're just doing what God is calling you to do because you understand this is about perfecting your faith. Let patience have her perfect work so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. That is scripture. Jesus had to endure the cross so that he can gain all authority. We have to take up our cross and follow him. But what we cannot do is take short cuts. What we cannot do is walk around and say, I'm just going to do it the short way, my way, whatever, the easy way, the easy way. Let me go here. Mark 8, 34 and 38, it says this. This is Jesus talking. Then calling the crowd to, jo to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Verse 35 says, if you try to hang onto your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up, if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Verse 36, 36 says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anyone, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulter adulterous and sinful days, the son of man will be ashamed of you on that person. Excuse me, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his father with the holy angels. The enemy is constantly trying to tempt us with shortcuts. The hookup. Ah, you know, and, and, and it's not, that's not always, you know, that's not an up and up situation. Let me kind of get around this. 
The enemy is always trying to tempt us with things that will not allow us to take up our cross and follow him. Jesus had to take up his cross. He had to carry it. He had to be whipped. He had to be bruised. He had to be talked about, lied about. He had to be denied. He had to be forsaken. He had to go through all these things so that he can have all power and authority. So that he can let the enemy and anyone know who does not believe that I am God. There are things that you are avoiding and you're trying your best to take the shortcut. You are trying your best. You're like, there's got to be an easier way. Here's the thing. I've done it. Still struggle with it because I get tired of taking the long route. I get tired of saying like, okay, God, like I've been in this thing for a minute. What is it? But I have to stay faithful because I made that commitment when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And what happens is this, and I appreciate this. Michael Todd said this, Pastor Michael Todd over Transformation Church. He's doing a wonderful series right now about uh, kingdom mindset. And I suggest that all of us, all of us really tap into kingdom mindset. And he says salvation is a gift, which it is. Jesus gave his life so that we may be saved. Give, that's give. God gave us his love. He gave us his, he gave us his son, all of these things, but to be kingdom minded, there is a level of sacrifice and enduring that we have to go through. There is a level of maturity that we have to go through. Remember the enemy was trying to tempt Jesus with kingdom, with kingdom. And his kingdom is a false kingdom. His kingdom is a kingdom that will fall away. His kingdom is something that is not satisfying. It does not sustain us. It does not feed us. It is all things that glitter, but it is not gold. That is what his kingdom is. And God is saying, I have so much more for you, but you have to understand that you have to seek me. I get it. We are worrying about so many things left and right. God, how am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? God, I saw this, this vision. And some of us have placed limitations and standards on ourselves that God does not desire. One thing that I know I have dealt with and I know other people have dealt with is timeline. God, I thought by the time I hit 25, 33, as you know, the years, every time the age, I thought I would be here. His timing is perfect. God, how am I going to take care of this? What are people going to say? I want us, I want this to really, really hit your spirit. I'm going to read Matthew 6, 30 through 33. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild, wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So you don't worry about the things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Verse 33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. King James version says of Matthew 6:33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Stop seeking the kingdom of men, 
the kingdom of your favorite preacher, because here's a warning. There's a lot of preachers, teachers, whatever title that they go by, who are trying to build their own kingdoms here on earth. And unfortunately, too many people are following them. I believe it was Peter who says, follow me as I follow Christ. Here's the thing. The only way that I know that a preacher, teacher, bishop, whatever title that they have is following Christ is that if I know Christ, not just know him as my savior, but know him as my teacher, know him as my big brother, know him as my friend, know him as a provider. I have to know Christ. Too many of us are following People who are about their agenda and not God. The Bible says either you, you only can serve one master. You cannot serve two masters. Now, those scriptures are specifically talking about God and uh, money. They says mammoth. Mammoth is referring to money. And unfortunately, a lot of people build their kingdom for money, power, uh, some form of authority and other other things that are not of God. But God says in Matthew 6, if you seek me first in my kingdom and all of my righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seeking is active. Seeking is doing. Seeking has tenacity. Seeking is long. It does not stop after you have gained one answer, or maybe it did not come in your time frame, whatever it is. Seeking is also humbling. I have to humble myself understanding that I don't know it all. I don't have the answers. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I don't know if my pathway is the right. I don't know if my plan is right. I don't know. See, this is seeking is submission. Submitting your ways, your life, your thoughts, all of things. That's what Jesus says. To lose your life is to gain it for me. If I give myself over to God, give everything. What Tasha say? For your glory, I will do anything. Are we willing to do anything for the glory of God? Jesus was tempted in that third temptation to take the shortcut take the false kingdoms because they were false it had a lot of darkness in there why because it's the enemy one comment uh one um theologians he said this he said even if he said if you look at it from a literal sense if the enemy took jesus to the highest mountain on one side on on the earth right the highest mountain on the globe you still could not see all of the kingdoms. You only could, you can't even see all of them in one hemisphere. So that meant that a lot of it was in darkness. He's only going to show you what is appears to be beautiful, but he won't show you the things that are dark. He won't show you the depression. He won't show you the loss of your family, the loss of your marriage. He won't show you the battles. He won't show you the demonic things that you will go through. He won't show you how you will go down paths you never thought. My old pastor that I was raised under, he has passed on some years ago, but he used to say this, sin will take you further than what you wanted to go and keep you there longer than what you wanted to be. This is why I say we, th- we think we have control over stuff. Child, we ain't got that much control. We have a form. But don't let your form of authority and control and power 
to blind you thinking that you have all because you do not. None of us do. This is myself included. The temptations of the enemy can be combated through the word of God. God always provides a way of escape. And here's the good news. He always provides a way of escape. But if you do fall to temptation, God is such a loving and forgiving God to where he shows his love and grace. Just repent. Repentance means that you are turning from your ways. You're turning from the former and you're going after what God has called you to do. I'm going now in the right direction. He says that when we ask for forgiveness, he throws it in the lake of forgiveness. He is choosing to forgive. God chooses to forgive our mess. When we say, God, forgive me. I repent. So don't get caught up. Even if you have fallen into temptation, even if you have decided to take the shortcut, repent. Mean turn around. For your glory, God, I will do anything. So if that repentance means that you have to lose friends, you have to lose connections, you have to lose money, you have to lose property. If you have to lose clothes, you have to go ahead and take get off of social media. Whatever that loss costs, I promise you, it is so worth it. Jesus says, what profits a man to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? What is more profitable, more worthy of your soul is what what is bigger is anything more worth your soul what has more value on this earth that is worth your soul I pray that you have learned something I pray that you have gained something I need us to be aware all of us to be aware of the temptations and the traps of the enemy Next week, we'll do like a synopsis, just kind of just tying everything up of temptation and knowing that God, through Christ Jesus, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. We have the power and the authority through Christ Jesus to not fall into temptation. But we love that we serve such a gracious and a wonderful God that even if we do, he forgives us if we ask of it. He gives us For he gives us an ability to repent, go directly to him and say, God, I repent and I'm turning from my ways. Teach me your way so that I will not fall again. He is gracious. He is loving and he is kind. I want to pray for those who do not know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your savior, I want you to repeat after me. If you want to know him as your savior, Lord, come into my life. I ask that you become my savior. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again for me. If you have said that and believe that in your heart, you are now saved. We are so excited for you. We are so happy for you. Please find somewhere that they can be your church home. Let the Holy Spirit guide you to a place where you can be spiritually fed and you can grow in Christ. And this is for any of us who needs strength and power to fight against temptation. You are trying to take the shortcut. That's what the enemy was trying to do. If I can take, make him take the shortcut, I can give him a false sense of authority, but not the true authority. Let, I, I want us to pray for us who struggle with that, struggle with God's timing, struggle with his per- perfect will. Lord, I thank you for number one, us having a submissive hearts we are giving over our will we are saying for your glory i will do anything 
We are taking up our cross and following Jesus. We are laying down our lives to follow Jesus. We understand we will be mature in the faith to study the word of God, to understand what does that mean? It is not all the glitter and the glamour. It is not all the beautiful things, but there are going to be some moments of enduring. Your word talks about long suffering. Let us know even in seasons and moments of long suffering that you are with us, that we are gaining, we are getting better. We are becoming more like your beautiful son that you came, that you gave to die for us, Lord Jesus. Nothing that we do in your will is in vain. It is never against us, but it is for us because God, why you are for us. You have good thoughts towards us, thoughts and and will to prosper us, not not to harm us, but to give us prosperity, to give us love, joy, peace, hope. Jesus says that I've come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. We have that. We have that ability to do that here on earth, but God, not in our way, but in your way. I ask that you for reveal to us any areas of our lives where we are walking in our own way. And God, when we see it, let the Holy Spirit convict us so that we can turn and repent and so that we can be about your business, so that we can make sure that your kingdom comes here on earth as it is in heaven, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your power and your strength and your wisdom and your knowledge to increase, to allow us to enjoy being your children, your king's kids, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love you all and I will speak to you next week.